From the AMF Podcast Studios, this is the Health and Safety Law Report. I'm Doug Jenks. And I'm Abby White. Alec Baldwin fired a prop gun on the set of his film Rust on Thursday. Accidentally shooting and killing the film's cinematographer Helena Hutchins and injuring the film's director Joel Sousa. So today we're going to talk about safety on film sets and also television production sets. Safety in front of the camera and also safety behind the camera. And what we just heard was a clip from Entertainment Tonight regarding an injury that re- or a death that recently occurred on a film production set. And when we heard that, um, we decided that it would be a interesting and a relevant discussion to bring to our listeners of the Health and Safety Law Report. So if you have a pulse, you've heard that uh, back on October 22nd of 21, Alec Baldwin was filming the movie Rust at the Bonanza Creek Ranch in New Mexico and was handling a gun that discharged and killed the cinematographer on that movie, Helena Hutchins, and also wounded the producer, Joel Souza. And this has gotten a lot of media attention because Alec Baldwin and Hollywood. Um, So, and Doug, thanks for indulging my love of all things pop culture and doing an episode on this because I have been following this story pretty closely, um, but I don't want to assume that, you know, our listeners have been following it as closely as I have. So to bring you all up to speed, um, basically what happened is, again, Alec Baldwin was handling the gun when it discharged. And typically on a movie set, the person responsible for making sure that weapons are handled correctly and protocols are followed uh, would be the armorer. And the armorer on this set was Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, uh, who is apparently somewhat green. Apparently, this was only like her second film. Um, her father, I guess, was a well-known armorer in the film industry. And it sounds like she had some connections through him and was sort of getting into this profession. Um, but she was also acting as a props assistant on this job. And she claims that she was not in the church, which is where this, this accident happened at the time. And it occurred indoors. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And there's like a little church on this uh, ranch where they were shooting the film. And I guess there were some COVID protocols that prevented a certain number of people from being in the church at one time. And I'm not sure whether that had anything to do with it, but she denies that she was in the church when this occurred. Um, And according to Alec Baldwin, right before this happened, the assistant director, uh, David Halls, is the one who handed him the gun and declared it a cold gun right before this happened. Meaning it's not loaded? Right. Meaning there's nothing in it. Baldwin claims that he was pointing the gun at Hutchins at her instruction and that it went off without him pulling the trigger. Um, And there are some other allegations, too, that are kind of interesting and sort of, you know, they may or may not be true, because at this point, they're just taken from allegations that are made in all these lawsuits that have been filed as a result. But one of the allegations is that he declined training, firearms training um, before this happened. Who? Alec Baldwin. Again, I don't know that that's true. That's just an allegation that's being made. Um, Apparently, the camera crew had walked off set earlier that same day. 
in protest of working conditions, which included um, the production not following safety protocols, uh, including firearm safety. And according to some of the crew members, there were actually two prior accidental discharges on set. Wow. Uh, one of them involving Baldwin stunt double allegedly firing a gun that was announced as cold, but ended up having live rounds in it. Holy cow. Uh, which that's a huge allegation. I mean, if that's true, that's, that's kind of troublesome. And also some of these crew members said there were no safety meetings and that the entire production was kind of rushed because it was sort of a low budget film. They were on a, a tight timeline. And so you know, the allegation was that safety took a backseat on this set. And again, this is all before this shooting happened. I don't suppose the cameras were rolling when any of this occurred. I don't think so. No, I haven't heard that that's that they were. Um, I think they were just setting up a scene um, and kind of just going through the motions. So, you know, naturally, lots of lawsuits have been filed by crew members, by the armorer. There's a wrongful death suit by Helena Hutchins family. There's a criminal investigation. We're not going to talk about any of that today, but what I do want to talk about is the fact that this accident at its core was a workplace fatality. And guess what? OSHA is investigating it. And so that's why we're talking about it on the Health and Safety Law Report podcast. Let me just interrupt you for a second. I am as tragic as this story is. I'm delighted to be talking about something other than COVID. Oh, yeah. Same. Um, I mean, maybe uh, COVID is behind us. Hopefully it is in every regard. And uh, we're just happy to be moving on to some something else, as, as, as I said, as tragic as this is, however. But it is an interesting topic. And for those of us who, and I too, enjoy pop culture, um, in our office, we represent film production companies. So this is not irrelevant to, to our work. Not at all. So it, it, it is a fascinating topic. So at any rate, sorry to interrupt. Please proceed. Oh, that's okay. I, I'm here for it. I'm so glad to be moving on. Um, so um, by all accounts, this is being investigated by uh, the Occupational Safety and Health Bureau in New Mexico. Although I want to footnote that because it, it, I'll get to that in a minute. But according to media outlets, um, the New Mexico Bureau of uh, Occupational Safety and Health is conducting an investigation New Mexico is a state plan state, and we've probably talked about state plan states on this podcast before, but essentially that just means that federal OSHA has authorized New Mexico to administer its own state-run OSHA program. And I did an establishment search on the OSHA website, which shows that the employer is Rust Movie Productions, LLC. And from what I've read, it's common for production companies to set up a corporation specifically for the purpose of creating a single film. And that appears to be what happened here. I'm speculating a little bit, but, um, you know, I went down the internet wormhole um, and saw that Rust Movie Productions was incorporated in New Mexico in August of 21, just two months before this shooting But its business address and principal place of business are in Thomasville, Georgia, at the same address as Thomasville Pictures. Now, the owners of Thomasville Pictures are Ryan Donald Smith and Alan Cheney, who are credited as the producer and executive producer, respectively, on Rust. So Hmm. uh, bottom line, OSHA's treating Rust movie productions as the employer for this investigation. But I I suspect that down the road, there could be some questions that come up as to whether Thomasville Pictures 
would bear any responsibility for any citations that might be issued by OSHA. So you all might be asking yourselves, why would OSHA investigate a shooting, right? I mean, OSHA doesn't have any regulations about firearms, no standards, no standards or regulations that um, apply to specifically to movie set safety. In other words, there's not a movie set safety uh, standard or industry under the OSHA Act. But this is where the general duty clause would come into play. And we have talked about this before, um, that every employer has a duty uh, to furnish employees a place of employment free of recognized hazards that are likely to cause death or serious physical harm. So, you know, where there's not a standard that applies, OSHA can always turn to the general duty clause to cite an employer. And so one of the things that OSHA would have to prove to prove a violation of the general duty clause is that, you know, in production, they didn't follow industry best practices for firearm safety. So that'd be the key. They would have to, OSHA would have to establish that the film industry recognized a hazard created by having guns on the set, right? And then exactly. And then there would have to be some sort of standard protocol for safety with regard to loaded guns on the set. And then if the film production company is not following that protocol, then that could create in li- or create liability under the general duty clause, right? Exactly. Uh, everyone agrees that the industry-wide labor management safety committee is the benchmark and sets the standards for firearm safety on movie sets. And um, some of their main, I mean, if, if any of these allegations prove to be true, some of the, the main um, rules that they set forth have, have been violated. So for example, Live ammunition is never to be used nor brought onto any studio lot or stage. Refrain from pointing a firearm at anyone, including yourself, unless absolutely necessary to do so. And things like that. What was another one that I saw in here? Oh, no one shall be issued a firearm until he or she has been trained in the safe handling use and proper firing procedures uh, is another one. And then safety meetings are another big one. So that's four right there that just based on the allegations that have come out so far, I'm sure OSHA is probably already looking into. Right. So have there been any citations issued yet? Not yet. Um, So the inspection was opened on October 22nd and closed on October 25th. So I'm you know, assuming that October 25th is the last date that they could have possibly observed any violations. And OSHA has six months from the date of a violation to um, issue a citation. So we're probably looking at what, April 25th of 22. Okay. Um, I would expect to see some citations. If there are going to be citations, I'd expect to see them around that time frame. Isn't it true? that you could be injured and killed from a blank? Yes, which I did not know before this. Yeah, I don't know how that would work. I guess the blank still actually shoots something through the barrel uh, and that if you would get hit by that, then that could cause an injury. And I think that that has caused injuries. Is that what happened on the set of The Crow with Brandon Lee? I believe it is. 
I, I, I believe it is. So there's all kinds of hazards, and that actually raises the question as to whether or not you would need to do anything other than what they did in, say, the Star Wars productions, which is have guns that actually shoot nothing and add all of the firing effects in post-production. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you would think that in this day and age, with all the technology that's out there, it would not be difficult to do. Yeah. And, and the other thing to keep in mind is, you know, the shooting is what brought OSHA out to this movie set to conduct an investigation, but they can look at any other hazards that they see while they're on site. And uh, I know from our research, it looks like the movie industry is filled with potential hazards that OSHA would regulate. Well, right. I mean, every film production set is or television production set, even if it's a unscripted production is going to be just like any other busy job site. And in fact, it's probably more like a construction site than than anything else, because you're going to have electrical hazards. There will be trip hazards. You will have walking and working surfaces that you will have to ensure are strong enough to support the weight of the equipment and the people on, on top of them. There are cranes, forklifts, and other powered vehicles. You'll have problems with uh, potentially heat stress or maybe even cold stress, not to mention scaffolding. There's scaffolding all over film production sites or television production sites, you know, to hold lighting and to hold sets. And all of that stuff is going to have to be inspected every day. And I think the probably the most important thing, and you already mentioned this, is that you have to have safety meetings. Yeah. You've got to have safety meetings every single day. Safety has to be at the center of what you are doing um, because it's film site or or production, television and film production uh, locations are dynamic. They're constantly changing. You are going from one location to the next. Everything potentially changes every single day. uh, And you have to stay on top of that. And you're going to have to have robust, we'll say, and comprehensive safety meetings every single day. You're going to have to do a job hazard analysis to determine what are the hazards on that job site that day. And that's in front of the camera and behind the camera. You know, one thing that occurs to me in the case of somebody like Alec Baldwin, he is an actor. And while he may or may not have needed gun uh, safety training, for the most part, you know, actors are pretending, right? They're pretending to be experts at whatever it is that they are doing on camera. And they don't have uh, experience by and large with uh, whatever it is that they might be doing, whether it's like riding horses or firing a gun or climbing a building or, or whatever. So you have to be very careful about um, the people, including the stunt people who are in front of the camera. And then behind the camera, as I said, you've got all of those other um, potential safety hazards. And many of those, if they're not covered by the OSHA standards, then they're going to be covered, as you said, by the general duty clause. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point that, that no two days are the same on set. And every new scene is probably a new set of challenges that they have to figure out how to work safely around. Yeah. That brings up the point of location management. They might have one scene that you're shooting, say, inside of a building, um, and that might be a controlled environment. It could be a, uh, you know, could be a studio or just a a building. 
but then you take it outside and then that opens up a whole other can of worms, especially if you're out in, say, a public setting. Sometimes, especially in the unscripted uh, productions, you are out in the real world uh, with traffic and with uh, other people and uh, all kinds of hazards that uh, might arise. You know, if you ever watch, what's the show um, where they're racing around the world? The Amazing Race. Is, it, is that what it's called? I don't know. I mean, that was on a lot. I... I'm not a great TV watcher. I'm not either. I'm not either. But, <laughs> but you know, so The Amazing Race uh, um, would be one of those shows where you've got people literally going to exotic locations uh, yeah. that, you know, may or may not be able to be controlled by the um, producers and the production assistants who are on set, wherever that set might be. Um, and, and so it's it can create all kinds of of safety hazards and you don't necessarily think about safety with um television and film production but it is absolutely has to be front and center for the producers i bet reality tv in general makes that tough because you know it's supposed to be reality and unscripted and therefore unpredictable so i'm curious how they handle safety on the sets of reality tv shows survivor i think that's still on <laughs> yeah but right really any reality tv show that just stands out to me as one that maybe is more um potentially dangerous yeah, than yeah. others but yeah i mean it would be easier yeah. to have do a reality show an unscripted show like in a one finite location like uh, uh what what's the one is it where they're all together in a house or something there's a lot of those. <laughs> okay. In which case, really, the only yeah. hazard is going to be sexually transmitted diseases or other. The bachelor. <laughs> yeah, the bachelor, yeah. for example. Right. Right. That's a whole other uh, issue <laughs> of safety. But, you know, one thing that also occurs to me is um, safety with regard to stunts. Um, and that's yeah. an interesting topic because the stunts by their nature and definition are dangerous yeah and you know back in the day you would have these stunt people who would and i guess it's still true to do still true today who would engage in these very very dangerous activities like rolling a car for example and i guess the question is well how in the heck can you do that safely but there is a way to do that safely and the film and television industry knows how you can do that thing, that kind of thing safely, if you're not going to do it through CGI and you're actually going to put a human in a car and roll the car, there are ways to do that safely. And if you don't do it safely, then you can have people injured. It could derail your production uh, and you could face all kinds of civil liability, not to mention even criminal liability. Very true. That calls to mind the SeaWorld case. How so? Uh, well, how do you make working with a killer whale safe, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, that case pretty much destroyed SeaWorld. Right. So maybe we'll do an, an episode on that some other time. I'm we mentioned it. Digressing. We mentioned it in, in well, I think, our first or second episode. Because, yeah, that's another, that's a, that's a great example. Because basically swimming with a killer whale is a stunt. It is. It absolutely is. And that's why we go to see it because it's uh, 
fraught with danger, you know, an animal with nasty biting teeth that could eat somebody. Yeah. It's like a high wire act. You know, what is interesting about that? The fact that they're on a wire and they're high. <laughs> and they I think OSHA killed that too. Or was huh? it Pete? Somebody killed the circus too. I said, I think OSHA killed the circus too. Absolutely. Or maybe, Peter, or maybe both. Well, that you can still go, but everybody's now tied off. That's not exciting. Not, not so much. I want to see someone defy death. Well, right. Well, did you ever see the film, The Flying Walendas? No. It was about a family, a circus family, circus performers, a family of circus performers who had a high wire act. And they would all, like the big group of them would all get on that wire together and they would like go across and they'd be holding each other up in like a big sort of crazy pyramid sort of thing. It was wow. a great movie, except at the end they fall. Oh. Yeah. Is it Tragedy. a true story? Uh, yes. That is dark. This is. That was a 1970s kind of thing. Back in the day of Evil Knievel. Oh. Right. <laughs> yeah. Where they, they, they weren't thinking a lot about safety back at that time, but they do now. And it's very important. So this reminds me of, uh, of another film that was important in terms of uh, creating new uh, expectations for safety um, in productions. And that was the 1982 film, The Twilight Zone, the movie. And this was a movie that was directed by John Landis and Steven Spielberg was a, I think he was a co-producer or maybe the producer um, on that film. And this was a tragic, horrible accident. Um, the, the film itself was sort of like the TV series in that there were episodes. Uh, I think there were four like short stories within the one film. In fact, I know that there were multiple short stories within it because I did see it in the theater. And there was one, one of these involved a Vietnamese village and a Vietnam War scene. And one of the actors who was a very well-known actor, he'd been around Hollywood for many, many years, Vic Morrow, was carrying two children uh, across a small body of water that was like knee-deep water. In this uh, film, or this scene took place at night, and it was shot on a location, I think it was Santa Clarita, California, and it was an outdoor movie set that they had used in lots of other 1980s productions like MacGyver and also Escape from New York. It allowed them to shoot away from uh, city lights. There were a lot of mountains around, so you could sort of make it look however you wanted it uh, to look. And so they were shooting at night, and there is a helicopter that was flying very low over the actors. And reportedly, the director of the film, John Landis, kept saying, get the helicopter lower, 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 lower. And his helicopter was about 25 feet above Vic Morrow and these two children as he was carrying them in each arm across this um, small body of water. They had an explosion. It was a planned explosion that went off, but I, they obviously screwed up the coordination of it or the timing of it because this explosion went off near the helicopter, near the un, right underneath the helicopter's tail. And it literally blew off like the tail rotor or damaged the tail rotor so that the helicopter then started to spin. And uh, there were six people inside the helicopter and it, it fell and the 
and the rotor, the rotors of the helicopter killed Vic Murrow and one of the children. And then mm. one of the landing skids lit, landed on the other child and they were all instantly killed and, and everybody inside the helicopter was, was injured. It was a terrible, horrible, tragic accident, which in uh, you know, typical American form resulted in tons of civil liability. And also there was even a criminal case. The director of the film and several other uh, several other uh, folks were prosecuted for manslaughter. Really? Yeah, they went to a jury trial um, on. Actually, I don't know it was a jury trial. I assume it was a jury trial, but they went to trial on manslaughter, and they were all acquitted. Uh, and then there were lots of civil suits um, filed by various people who were killed or injured or their, um, or their families. And it was, it was a terrible thing. And a lot changed as a result of that. I've got a quote from Steven Spielberg. He said, quote, this is attributed to him. I assume it's correct. He says, quote, no movie is worth dying for. I think people are standing up much more now than ever before to producers and directors who ask too much. If something isn't safe, it's the right and the responsibility of every actor or crew member to yell cut. And I do think that that has that production and those, that accident did make a, a big difference for uh, the uh, television and film produ production industry, at least in terms of safety. Wow, that's nuts. I, I did not know that that had happened. Very sad. Although, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. If you think about, OK, it's dark. There's water, there's an explosion, there's small children, there's a helicopter. It's not maybe your ideal situation. That situation is absolutely fraught with, with hazard. Yeah. So maybe it's better to use special effects, CGI sound effects in place of actual like live action. Right. I mean, uh, if possible, and if you can afford it, um, it would be better to to do that because you can pretty much make anything look real in CGI these days, right? Seems that way. I'm you no think? expert, but I'm, I'm not either. But sometimes you can't tell what's real or what's CGI and what's right. Yeah, think about the Star Wars movies and what they did with Carrie Fisher and making her character out of CGI through a whole. I think it was the whole movie. Right. It's part of the movie. You can do pretty much anything with 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 CGI and it's a it's an easy way to to pretend. It is. And then you can you can avoid the risk, which brings me to the last thing I want to um, discuss today. And that is this. <gasps> so, Abby, have you ever heard that before? Have you ever heard that noise before? It sounds familiar, but I, I can't I can't say specifically where I would have heard that. I I bet that you have heard that probably over a hundred times, and each of our listeners probably has as well. It's one of the most famous sound effects in all of film and TV production. It's called the Wilhelm, and it is a it's a scream, right? Yes, yeah, I hear it. Okay, I hear that now. So the story on on the Wilhelm is that it, it came from a movie that was made in 1951. 
And the first person to, uh, or the first scene in which it was used featured an actor who was uh, going across, walking across a body of water. And I think he was attacked by an alligator and he screamed. <laughs> and it was so good that a few years later in another film, there was a character riding a horse and that character was shot in the leg by an arrow and they used the same scream. No way. Yeah. And, and that character's name was Wilhelm. And then I don't know how much it was used after that until we get to Star Wars, but then it was used in the original Star Wars film. You remember the scene when they are on the Death Star and Luke and Leia, uh, they jump across that big sort of open expanse. Remember yeah. that scene? Yeah. And when they're shooting back and forth, this like canyon, uh, yeah. shooting at the, at the stormtroopers. And then they hit one of the stormtroopers and he falls and. They make that sound. Makes that sound. Um, And so that's that noise has been used by sound designers over 300 times in TV and film productions. It's in everything from Raiders of the Lost Ark, Star Wars. I think it's in every lord of the rings film it's in the simpsons it's in family guy it's even in toy story the scene remember the scene in toy story when buzz gets knocked out of uh the the window the window yeah, yeah. he falls falls to the ground and that's before he goes over to sid's house but as he's falling he makes that noise now i want to go watch all of these things and try to find the noise Oh, I guarantee you will hear it. I guarantee. So whenever there's a scene, like a battle scene, you've got people like falling, you, I, I almost guarantee that you're going to hear it. Play it again. All right. Here so it our is. listeners can hear it. All right. Here it is. Yeah. So okay. keep, keep your eyes or your ears open, ears. <laughs> open for that. So now this doesn't have a lot to do with, uh, you know, health and safety on job sites, but a little bit. It's okay. We can be fun too. Yeah. It's we can be informative and entertaining. That's what we try to do. Life goals. You got it. All right. So anything else for the good of the order? Nope. That's it. All right. Well, that was fun. And uh, it's great to talk about something other than COVID. We, you know, we're no longer in masks and uh, the infection numbers are are down and I guess it's safe to go about the the world and to worry about other things. And so I guess we'll do that from now on, huh? Yeah. Sounds good. Okay. All right. So remember everybody, uh, we are lawyers, but we're not your lawyers, at least not while we're on this podcast. Thanks everybody for listening. And we will be back with you soon.